Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Slumber Party Podcast. My name is Amanda Jusen, and I'm the co-host here today with my ride or die, <laughs> the Jay-Z, to, you say. <laughs> to my Beyonce. I just saw, I know, sorry. Like maybe um, Solange, no? Oh yeah, Solange is a good one. Yeah. I'll people up for you. <laughs> Okay. 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 You'll, if if my husband were screwing up, you would yell at him in an elevator for me. Yeah. Becky yeah. with the good hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa Ramrein, welcome, Lisa. <laughs> the interrupter. <laughs> no, I love it. So I just saw Beyonce. Can I tell you something? Which I just discovered Always. we've not we've not discussed this in person yet. So I went to Beyonce and Lisa actually watched my children because my husband is traveling and um, bless her. Thank you, by the way. Uh, it was like kind was of a last pleasure. minute change. Honestly, truly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we can talk about that in this episode. Maybe we will talk about that. Um, but uh, so I had Beyonce tickets in 2016 when uh, my daughter was born. And um, I was 14 days late for my first daughter. And Beyonce was playing a week after my second daughter's due date. And I was like, there is no way this is going to... uh, Hey, little person. I don't care, Lisa, that you have a family. It's not that podcast. It, I do. I have zero feelings about it. Zero. My husband cooks a whole fucking feast during is like bang, 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 bang. Like just prepping for Thanksgiving in July. A hundred percent. Like, what are we doing here? Um, are we pretending? Like, let's not pretend. Um, yeah. Okay. So then anyway, I thought for sure I'd be able to go. Uh, and then my daughter was born on her due date and I wasn't able to see the lemonade tour, which is devastating. So when the Renaissance tour tickets came up, I bought them. I had a lot, like I slept for nine hours last night. And I think partly because I danced for nonstop two and a half hours the night before, (laughs) but also because of the emotional and mental stress I was experiencing because I was worried that something would come and screw up my plans for Beyonce. Number one, because I had Juju around, like I missed out last time. I was really devastated. Like Lemonade was such an amazing album for me. And then I was like, what if that happens again? And then there's been a lot of like COVID cancellations for like three years. Right. So I'm kind of like, I'm, I've been almost like programmed not to get excited about things, which is that. I mean, to things <laughs> totally I, I i yeah so i'm there so anyway we're in line for beyonce and we had pretty decent seats like it thank goodness very privileged to be able to do that and so when we get in line we're in line and i told you this part okay but i'm in line and Right behind us is Sasha Exeter, who's like a kind of like big deal Toronto influencer. And she's there with her daughter, Maxwell, matching outfits, incredible wig. It was awesome. And we were like, oh, my God, like NVD standing in front of Sasha Exeter. We were cool. We weren't like, oh, my God. So that was cool. Then we're in line and I'm looking up. And um, the lead character from Never Have I Ever, which is like my all time favorite show. I don't know her last name. Her first name is Matreya. 
I'm not on Instagram, but we'll find out uh, what it is. Anyway, I'm looking and I'm like, oh my God, that's her. And my friends are like, that's not her. I'm like, 1000% it's her. I know she's in Toronto doing promotion for Never Have I Ever um, and Netflix. And that looks exactly like her. And they're like, no, I don't think so. Smash cut to two texts from my friend this morning with screenshots of her Instagram in the exact cowboy outfit she was wearing saying justice for Amanda. And I was like, hells yeah, I see celebrities. I do. I have that energy. I see literally everybody I know was there. Everyone. My boring ass group. (laughs) They go to things like, you know. Alfred and Sons and all those kind of cops. <laughs> Not a Beyonce crowd. <laughs> I can't tell you. This should just be a Beyonce recap podcast. We are. Fi- I. I. I am still like. This morning, my daughter said something to me, and I cried. And I think I just have a lot of emotion in me from how incredible this concert was. I. It was two and a half hours of nonstop. Like it was a party mm-hmm. and everyone was invited. Like everyone at that concert was there for it. It was just such a good time. The concert starts off with like 30 minutes of ballads, which is amazing because it's like Beyonce is such a star. You forget like, oh, she can really sing. Like yeah. she can really, really sing. And that's incredible yeah, just to be in that. The best of them. And then it's like, Oh no, part two. This we're talking fashion, visuals, video, staging. Uh, it is. I'm. I have chills. If I if I get the opportunity to go again, I'm actually thinking like, can I go at the end of her tour somewhere? Because mm-hmm. it was. And you should come with me. It, it is. Oh, oh, just incredible. Anyway. Yeah. It, life-changing experience. So that's what I wanted to share with you. Do you care that I saw the character from Never Have I Ever or no? I now just am thinking that I just have to watch that show now because I haven't watched it. Oh my gosh. That's another thing. Like that is a show I've cried through like 700 times. Oh, see, that's not a draw for me. I'm trying to stay away from things that make me cry lately. But it's not like that. It's a good cry. It's a really uplifting, funny show. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, remember when I called you during that movie and I was like, this is our movie because it just was like, (laughs) but that was not a sad movie. It's like, you know, I cry for like good and bad. Okay. I know. I I, I feel like when people lately tell me that this is a a cry show, I'm like, I just can't handle the cry right now. I feel like I'm so emotional over everything. It is not a cry show. I'll give it a chance. I'll give it a chance. Oh, do you hear what I'm, I'm looking up the lead character, but there's also a, a video that someone sent me from Beyonce in concert. So I just watched it again. Okay. (laughs) It's Maitreya Rama Krishnan. Mm-hmm. Krishna. Yeah. She's so beautiful. And like spectacular, like just flawless in person, skin, mm-hmm. everything. Um, okay. The reason why, so we're eight minutes into this 30 minute podcast. So a third of this is going to be about the Beyonce concert, which I <laughs> clearly needed to get off my chest. 
Um, but the next couple of bits will be about um, our older toddlers. And uh, again, we get a lot of these questions. So we're talking to plus and some of the common issues that we will see. The first thing that I kind of want to talk about, and it's it's really coming up with my um, my certification members, this topic, um, the idea of when or when not to uh, suggest a crib for a client, especially a toddler client. So a lot of clients will call us and they will be like, okay, so, we, you know, we were having troubles in the crib, um, you know, or yeah, we were having troubles with sleeping and you know what? We just thought maybe they don't want the crib anymore. So we took them out of the crib and, uh, now our troubles are even worse. So we don't think it's about the crib. This is like a verbatim discussion you're nodding. I'm sure like 57 other people are doing the same. Did you I have even this know issue? how it came up? Even it came up last night. My friend Jen was saying that um, she was like, yeah, like we for whatever reason, I don't even remember. Oh, because we were talking about my other friend, her daughter uh, mm. popping out yes. of the, yeah. her big girl bed. Mm-hmm. And my friend Jen's like, I kept my youngest in a crib because we had such a disastrous outcome with letting our first one come out of the crib. Yes. So they're like, we kept her in crib as long as we could, like into totally. older toddlerhood for sure. Well, and people really are excited about these milestones. And I get it. Like, I remember sure. when my first was kind of in this stage and, and people were, I was part of a online mom group. I think I've shared this on the podcast before. It was a small Facebook group. We had all kind of met on this like online chat board and then migrated over to Facebook. And I want to say for the first three years, like these women were such a rock for me. Like our babies were all born within a couple of weeks. But around the time, like it was around two, everyone's starting to talk cribs. And I had been advised, like, never take your kid out of a crib. So I was like, no, thanks. But then we had uh, Nora, our youngest. And then all of a sudden, my daughter started throwing herself out of the crib. So then it became a health and safety issue. So I was panicked. But online, like all of my online friends were kind of like, oh, I'm so excited. We're going to put our child into their big kid bed. This is what we're going to do. And I get that. It's kind of like introducing solids. It's like introducing bed. It's like, look at how much of a person you are. Like, look at well, how much you're And a lot growing. of time, too, it's like the, the new sibling comes. Right? Yes, so and they want the crib. Want to invest into the a new crib, right. so that that's definitely like that time, right? That time a lot of parents didn't have a hundred percent, and you had actually given us our first crib. I was going to say, not everyone was given a pottery barn crib that my daughter <laughs> later gnawed with her teeth for fun, not because she was yeah. mad. We just went in and she's like, nah, nah, nah. And we're like, no. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And there's, there's a crib thing. So then people will move their kids out of their crib. And here's the issue between two and I want to say three and a half. There is almost zero impulse control in that child's brain. You can have the most well-behaved, lovely, sweet child that is going to push your buttons no matter what you do. And I know this because I've experienced it. So I'm going to share my transition. I'm going to share 
a lot of what happens with clients. So for my daughter, what we did is I went online that that first night and I was like, okay, she's throwing herself out. She's really hurting herself. Like she's, <laughs> I mean, she had sleep apnea and was like not really coordinated for three years. Like, so she would fall a lot and like, it, it, this was not helping like literally project. <laughs> Woo. And then she'd be like, ah. so we're like, okay. But then I looked online and there was this like parents guide that said, recreate the entire bedroom into the crib and put a safety latch on the outside of the door. So whether that's one of those knobby things that can go on the door on the inside, so they can't, turn the the knob, whether that's something on the outside that you can put so they can't move the latch, have something so they can't leave the room. Great. We did that. No problem. I didn't really think about it ever again until I really started this business. Um, but then it did come up in our group like, oh, how are you keeping your kids in their bed? And I was like, oh, we've just put a safety latch on the door. And all of a sudden, everyone was like, oh, <gasps> are you locking your child in their room? And it, it's funny. It's how we took the same information and like we created a story around it, right? Like I did not take my child out of her crib and lock her in a room and go, you're locked in your room. It was like, you oh, I, no, so no. Like you. oh, I know. Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> I didn't have this thought of locking my kid in my room and neither, and therefore neither did she right. like, she never felt like this was being kept in because I took her essentially out of a cage and put her in, and I expanded her area. So we safety proofed right. the room. We, put all of her cords on the wall. We put her blind cords up high. We did everything that we could. Her room was super safe. We, you know, did all of the things we attached the, the dresser drawers and all the shelving to the wall. Like nothing was unsafe. In fact, she was safer, but because we have this image of someone locking someone in their room uh, as an adult, like that is traumatic, right? But for mm. a child, what you're doing is you're removing the choice, which will always be, I have to leave my room. I have to leave my room. And it, because they have no impulse control. And why would they? If I am two years old and I am living my best life and all of a sudden my door is open and I see people going in and out my whole life, I want to explore that because that is something that is really normal and, and that curiosity is totally okay. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you do, and I can tell you this, so later on, that's how we started. We started off with her with the safety latch. Um, and then when she was three and doing some potty training, we kept her door open. So we kept her door a little bit open so she can leave here and there. Let me tell you, that kid was in my room two or three times a night. I never slept with her. I never sat with her. She was in my room two or three times a night. Have you ever experienced this, Lisa? Like you're nodding. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like I, yes. I, and I again was relating um, yesterday with my friends being like, I do remember a full, I would say year and a half of my mm -hmm. perfect sleeper who's um, in her case, like, and my boys did that to some degree, but they had each other. So I feel like they would just kind of like they were sharing room for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, um, that's right. But uh, but with her, like she would um, 
she thinks like floor is lava, especially when she was a toddler. <laughs> so she would stay in her bed and it would almost yes. make it easier if she came into my bed because I, I yes. do allow some co-sleeping. <laughs> yeah. You're like, but, just and come in. <laughs> but she's just like, she would just sit in her room and be like, Ma! Daddy! <laughs> over and over again and many times a night. Many, yeah. many times a night. And yeah. um yeah, that's that was a, a salt. I think I even reached out to you, being like, or we like, I we even recorded a podcast about that, and just like yeah. trying to keep you know keep those wakes and those like screams in the middle of the night, and like and at a certain point, like now she's a preschool, she's a, a preschooler, so I have I can rationalize with her a little bit more, and I yeah. had to just be like slowly. We started having this conversation, like you have to stay in your bed. You have to mm-hmm. not scream. Like if something is really wrong, you can call mm-hmm. for us. But, yeah. you know, screaming like that is um, very disturbing to all of us. In the middle 100%. Of the night. Um, well, but it was many it, times a night like that. And um, it's it's a lack of that. I mean, and I think for you, you would eventually go to her. But for many of my, th- so this is funny. And why I mentioned this is many of my clients will say this exact thing. So they hire me to stop the like, mom, dad. And they will say, we don't need to lock the door because she never comes out of her bed. And I say, just wait. When you, when we're not going in and she gets really mad, she's going to hop right out and she's going to find you. I promise that always happens. And then we end up having to lock the door. So it it does happen. They will come out and they are not being bad. They're not bad children. They're not naughty. They are literally doing what, you know, they, they have an impulse at three o'clock in the morning. They're not going to remember the promise they made at seven because this happened with me. I had my daughter being like, I am going to stay in my room. And it's not like these interruptions in sleep would take hours for her to go back. It was that I was being woken up three times a night. I was a mess in the morning. I did it for like six months and it kind of like snuck up on me. I didn't realize it was happening because they were so little and not a big deal. I'd walk her back. She'd be like, good night. The issue was she was suffering. I could start to see behavior changes in her during the day. I was suffering. I was not okay. I was starting to like bark at her at three o'clock in the morning. It wasn't okay. I was really, really tired. And then finally I was going back to work. I just finished my training as a sleep consultant. I felt extremely overwhelmed. I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go back to work and deal with all this? So I actually hired a senior consultant that I had trained with. And she's like, you have to, and this is part two. So sorry, I know I'm kind of speaking everywhere. Part one is if you have a child between two and three and a half year old, three and a half years old, my recommendation is to not give them a choice to leave the room. Put a gate up if you have to. If they're not crib hoppers, um, if they are crib hoppers, they're going to scale the gate. So you're going to have to find something to, to shut the door, or you're going to have to deal with your child getting out of their room. If you're not comfortable with that, I just want to level with you. Like people ask for ways around, like, I really want the door open. I don't believe in that. And I'm like, okay, what well, you're asking me and your child to do something that's beyond their capacity to do it. And it's really not fair. Um, and so generally when I can explain that to parents, they're like, okay, fine, I get it. Um, but yeah, you want to keep them in their room. You want to confine their space. The, 
and I go to car seat confidence. I talked about this in last week's podcast. If you're confident and you understand the reasons behind the door closing, they're confident because they're co-regulated with you. If you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm such a monster. I closed this door. Then they're going to feel like that. Um, my daughter never questioned the day that I locked her door and had that safety latch on the outside. Um, she went to the door. She tried to open it. It didn't open. She went around for her life. My daughter has no trauma about it and I don't have any trauma about it. So it, it is what it is. It is yeah. what you make it. Yeah. So part two. So, you know, when he gets older and I needed to do this with my youngest too, with Nora and she needs to go to the bathroom. We need to have the door open. Okay. So now we're going to introduce the idea of, of boundaries and consequences. So in order for her to have access to the door open and many folks will say, well, my daughter or my son, they already sleep with the door open. They don't care if it's closed or open. What I, we were the same. My daughter slept with the door closed every day. She didn't really care about the door closed. Um, I said to her, listen, Winnie, you're older now. You were three and a half. You get to sleep with your door open. And that is a really big deal. Okay. I can keep the door open a crack. That's what you get to do because I trust you to stay in your room. But if you leave, I'm going to have to shut the door again. Okay. This is something that you earn. So naturally I've created the boundary. You have to stay in your room and there's a consequence. If you come out, I have to shut the door. Okay. Boundaries and consequences. This was also paired with a reward system. So in the morning when she did the right thing, we had a series of rewards. We would do something for, you know, you didn't call out at bedtime. You went straight to bed and then you stayed in your room. So that's part two. That's your other reward. So, um, we did that. And then what we would do, um, is if she came out, we would say, we would give her a warning. Hey, you're out of your room. If you come out, we're going to have to shut the door. Okay. She would come out. She would, you know, test a boundary because we put a boundary there. Therefore, I must, must, must see if you are going to do what you said you were going to do. I get it. So she comes out and I say, okay, I'm sorry. It's just not safe for you to be out because it's not. I'm going to have to shut your door. So I would shut it for a minute and then I would open the door. Oh, are you ready to have your door open again? Yes. Great. She would go back to bed. The door would remain open. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that we coach our parents on. That's the, if you're looking for the secret sauce or the strategy, that's what we do. There has to be a limit, a boundary, and it also should make sense to the child. Again, Mm -hmm. shutting the door, this is, this can be triggering for parents for a variety of reasons, but Again, we are not locking the door all night. We are not locking the door to a child who needs access. We are simply saying and showing the physical boundary with the door closing at times and then opening it again for them. They earn, they always earn the door opening again, which is great. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. which I think parents are often happy about. Yeah. Um, sorry, Lisa, what are you going to say? No, look, the only thing I was thinking about earlier is like, it is so true. Like, it's not even the fact that it's such a like, it's so tough to put them back to sleep, especially at that age, right? Like most of the time, they're kind of half awake anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the amount of energy that even for a person like myself, who is great at falling back asleep, and I don't have any problems with sleep that way. um, Still, it's just that, that wake up, 
having mm-hmm. to usher them back into the room, having to function on some sort of a level, putting them back to sleep. It all mm-hmm. takes so much out of you, right? And so really I was is. in a place where it's like, oh, I have this great sleeper. She's always been sleeping so well. And mm-hmm. um, and then all of a sudden, like, she's coming into or, like, she's calling for us, not even coming into our room. And, like, my middle son, he was always always sneaking into our our bed and i am a person who doesn't notice my husband is a person who does Mm -hmm. but he's a total pushover we call him that openly in our home (laughs) (laughs) whatever you're almost the size of mommy but you could just sneak in here (laughs) come on in Um, yeah no we had to we had to stop that at a certain point where it was just and even now like we we just can't we can't afford to do that even with our daughter because it's it's just that much uh, more in, like our sleep is interrupted and, and obviously mm-hmm. it affects everybody. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's that it's that thing where they just are, you know, it's like it's not really a big deal. And you can sort of justify it for a while, but then it really becomes a big deal real quick. Totally. Uh, yeah. And I read and I've talked about this on the podcast before, um, you know, setting limits and boundaries and, and having those boundaries is not bad for children. And I just want to, you know, say that again, that you not wanting to sleep with your children does not make you bad. And if you need to hold a limit around that, that's okay. Okay. You don't need to feel bad about that. You don't need to you know, have any, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's two types of consequences. There's natural consequences. And I would argue shutting the door is a natural consequence. If you have a three and a four year old roaming your house who has full access to your house, that is not safe. That is a safety concern. So if we can't trust that the child is ready to stay in their room, then we have to have some sort of consequence and you can reflect this is not safe for you to be out in your room. You want to even take safety into health and safety. If it is not safe because the parent is not safe emotionally or physically the next day, that is worth it. Again, you know, and I want to say I am not espousing um, a value. I don't care how people sleep. I'm saying you know, a lot of my clients say, I hate this. I hate when my child is in my room. I can't do this. I'm suffering. But the moment their child expresses a displeasure towards that boundary, it is the parent who can't handle that child's displeasure. Mm -hmm. When the child's reaction to boundaries are really normal, appropriate, age appropriate, okay. And it's about you kind of getting comfy with your child's discomfort at times. And and I think a lot of parents expect, and I've talked about Daniel Tiger. I think I've talked about it on this podcast where Daniel Tiger has ruined parents where Daniel Tiger's parents say, don't do that. And Daniel Tiger says, no problem, but that's not real life. That does not exist. I wish it did. I would have a lot less gray hair. But Daniel Tiger is a teen in jail right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Daniel Tiger is like, I wish mom and dad said no once in a while. I wish. I, I needed a minute to process what you said. Like, I was like, what? 
Oh, the outcome. It's so true. It's so true. Like I actually, I saw this TikTok before my social media break about like, be more concerned about your child who is so pleasant and not ever showing you any of those things. That is way more of a concern that they don't feel safe expressing those emotions and they are more concerned with your big reaction. Triggered. <laughs> yeah. Perfect girl. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not true. Like she often will show you her emotions and big feelings. No, no, I was. And, I'm saying I oh, was the perfect yeah. little girl, you know, and then um had to deal with some shit. Yes. <laughs> on in life, yeah. I mean, I was even talking to, I mean, my own therapist about something very like unrelated. And I was talking about, you know, oh, I just don't want my child to ever experience X. And she said, the idea and concept of children never having their own struggle is not only misguided, but it, it will happen and they're better for it because life is not meant to be easy. It, there are challenges and struggles along the way. And if your child's only struggle is that you said, I don't want to sleep with you, here's a safe, comfortable spot for you to sleep. And I want you to learn. I mean, let's put this into perspective, right? Exactly. Like again, and I don't care if you like sleeping with your kid, then stop leaving, listening to this podcast, do that because it's working for you. I'm saying if that's not working for you, you have to get comfy with why your child's really, really big reaction is triggering for you. It's about you. It has nothing to deal, do with your child. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we can go deep into this, but we're already yeah, 29 minutes into, I know, the, I know, anybody's day. <laughs> I know, I know, um, that's my Coles notes on toddlers. And when people send in questions around, what do I do? Well, you know, my child hates when I shut the door, my child won't stay in the room. Um, or, you know, I was reading Janet Lansbury's about something different, I was reading an article that she wrote and she sort of said, when parents say they won't do something or the child won't do something, that's, that's a, such a projection about what the parent can't handle. And I was like, that is true. Words have never been spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, and, way, and really okay. Like a lot of that yes. stuff is super hard to handle, you know, and yes. that is like, and it is like, dealing with kids emotions is exhausting and super super stressful and I couldn't hear my babies crying like I could just could not stand it but I always knew it was not about the baby (laughs) it was about me you know it's like I know I can't stand it because I have no problem hearing other babies crying like that doesn't bother me at all (laughs) not even a little bit same well and I think too that like you know it is okay to feel those feelings But I'm going to advise you lovingly that it should be something that you look at for yourself, okay? Because there's so much more to come and it's really hard and it's not about sleep at this point. These boundaries are about parenting practices and Daniel Tiger is in jail right now. (laughs) I'm not saying your child is going to be in jail, but (laughs) we have to ask ourselves what behaviors are continuing because they are allowed 
right? So if it's not, you know, if we said car seats, for example, are you going to take your car seat out and uninstall it and say, it's okay, you can have that? That is a safety risk to your child to take them out of that. So we make choices all throughout the, the day about what is okay for us to have boundaries about. What is safe? If sleep needs to be a boundary for you, it's okay to go there. Yeah. On that note, it's 31 minutes now. Hoo-wee. I spent too much time on Beyonce. Um, I'm going to ask everyone, if you are enjoying this podcast, maybe you don't listen to every episode. I'm going to ask you to do um, one of three things, okay? And I'm stealing this from Glennon Doyle's podcast. She did this at the end of an episode I listened to yesterday, and I was like, I'm going to do that too. One, I'm going to ask you to go follow or subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to your podcast. Um, That's an easy thing. I'll just show up in your feed. You don't even have to listen to everyone, but a subscription is really powerful. It allows the powers that be to show this to everyone. I'd love for you to leave a review, um, a five-star wherever you're listening to, and even a few words as a bonus. And number three, follow us on uh, at Baby's Best Sleep on TikTok and on Instagram uh, for all of the updates about when these episodes come out. And as always, you can book a call with myself or a member of the team at babiesbestsleep.com. I want to officially announce that I am a registered social worker (gasps) as of Friday night at 8 p.m. I know. Thank you. I know. I'm very excited. It's been, it was a process and it's a very big goal. I have my, I got my social work diploma, uh, on, I think Wednesday last week. And then my registration with the college now and everything. I am. I'm a real social worker. made it to the top of the pile. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. Um, Oh, congrats. Thank you. So babiesbestsleep.com for more information, booking a call with everyone. And I want you to have a wonderful day wherever you are. Bye everyone.